there's like some really solid friendships that oh, yeah, are forming connections. And looking back, I just like some of the best connections that we have, you know, in the real estate community. And also just as like on a personal level, some of my best friends that I've met mm-hmm. at real estate events, just like he's here that I would call some of my best friends, yeah. like period. People you can trust, yeah. you know, you like. Yeah. And they're like like-minded just with life mm-hmm. and kind of what they yeah. want to do. So it's really fun to be able to bring that. What is going on, guys? Welcome to today's episode of the Collecting Keys Real Estate Investing Podcast. And we are here live today from KeysCon. And uh, this is kind of an ironic thing for me because I'm a pretty big podcast listener. And I really hate whenever uh, podcasts that I like have in-person events and they decide that they're going to record a live <laughs> yeah. episode because yeah. the sound quality is always kind of shitty. Yeah. And it's always a little bit offbeat from normal. Loud. They always have the camera guy, <laughs> the guy almost knocking the, the TV off the wall behind. <laughs> Love it. But uh, so, you know, I figured we might as well do the same thing because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. It means you're a real podcaster. It means you're a real podcaster. Yeah, exactly. Oh, when, when we're sitting here while the camera guys running around and we're just screwing around on our phone drinking high right. knees and trying to adjust lighting and all that kind of crap yeah you know it's never right yeah so, so but uh yeah we're down here in scottsdale for our first ever KeysCon event which you might have heard us talk about a little bit on different episodes so with this what we did is we had 15 members of our instant investor program come on down here to do a two-day event where they are doing a big deep dive into their business. We're doing basically a mastermind combined with like a boot camp, I guess. And, you know, it's our first time doing this. And I realized as I was going through the afternoon session focused on team building that uh, I apparently make things extremely dense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we went through a lot of stuff. So day one has been great. We're going to do day two tomorrow as long as everybody can like survive the networking and the, the late yeah. night. We're going to go do top golf after this as a group. But like, I feel like the engagement, regardless, the minute everybody got on the ground has been like zoned in. So yeah. even though it's dense, everybody's like really enjoying the the content. And then like able to, the cool thing about this group is I'll say, you can tell that most of them can apply it right when they get back. It like is. It's not yeah. irrelevant content, but also they're ready to consume it. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is too, whenever you join groups like the Instant Investor Program or different coaching programs, mentorship groups, whatever they are, the connections that you make are the real value so much, outside yeah. of just like working with the coaches or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's actually been really fun here because a lot of these guys, they've met each other on Zoom calls and different things, mm-hmm. but they never met face-to-face. And you can already tell, even though a lot of these dudes met each other the first time, like just yesterday, there's like some really solid friendships. That oh yeah, are forming. connections. And looking back, I just like some of the best connections that we have you know, in the real estate community and also just as like on a personal level, some of my best friends I've met Mm -hmm. at real estate events, just like he's con here that I would call some of my best friends, like period. People you can trust, you know, you like. And they're like, like like-minded just with life Mm -hmm. and kind of what they want to do. So it's really fun to be able to bring that to a lot of our members. Well, the interesting thing too, I think about anytime you're in like a group setting and you're with like people that are at the same point of where you're at. And let's be honest, as a business owner, like sometimes you're suffering. Mm-hmm. And so you have this like shared suffering and you get through it together. And like the bond you get from that is like 10 X of what you can get from any relationship in the same amount of period of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like something that most people just can't relate to. Absolutely. But as an yeah. entrepreneur, when they yeah. say like entrepreneurship is lonely, it's really, yeah. it's not necessarily that you don't have friends. It's just that people don't necessarily understand. They don't understand the, the same challenges. challenges. Yeah. And so the, the point of going to a mastermind is that you find new people. This isn't a conference. Like you're going to go get at your day job, right? This isn't where you go and look at vendors and get free stress balls. Yeah. This is where you right. meet, <laughs> this is where you meet people that are doing what you're doing and doing what you want to do at different levels and degrees. And you all like learn from each other 
Yeah. And because of that, like the relationships that you carry on, like I've noticed that from these types of masterminds, I'm like way more likely to talk to the people afterwards mm -hmm. because either they reach out to me or I reach out to them for a specific reason, but also you just enjoy it. Yeah, right. And you have that person that like, kind of like with our partnership, like when you're in the, like the trough, you have somebody to talk to and be like, man, should we keep doing this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. And ideally that your partner is at the height of the trough. They're not at mm -hmm. the bottom with you. So you pull each other up and down as you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny compared to like a corporate event. I think right back when I was at Boeing, I remember going to this, it was like whatever aerospace event up in Seattle and they sent a bunch of people up to it. And literally everyone there was part of different corporate machines. Mm. And oh, yeah. their intention was they wanted to be something like this. We're going to like make connections and come back. And I remember literally everyone there, no one even talked to each other. <laughs> when they not. had lunch became available, it was like Disneyland, dude. Like they like opened like a little cafeteria and everyone like went sprinting in All there the to get their free get, lunch. Get their meatballs. Yeah. And then everyone just went home afterwards. Oh right? my I was gosh, like, what yeah. a giant waste of freaking time. Did they get the stress balls? <laughs> Probably, yeah, they did. Swag? Exactly. The mouse, yeah. They wait, had like the mouse pads, the, mouse pads, the yeah. sweat, the stress yeah. balls, like, those, yeah. you know, the t-shirt for whatever electronics <laughs> company that you don't care about. Know, like exactly. for some reason you take yeah. and then you pretend you're going to use it at a gym shirt, but you yeah. don't. Yeah. No, I yeah. think some of those, the shills though, they do wear them. Like that's their normal <laughs> shirt. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? They start wearing them to like casual Monday or whatever. Oh yeah. With their jeans. But, yeah. So anyways, if you guys are interested in coming to KeysCon, go and check out collectingkeys.com and check out our instant investor program. And then maybe you can come to the next one because we're planning to make this an annual thing moving mm -hmm. forward. So yeah. Let's talk about real estate though. Yeah. Real estate. Yeah. 31% so, of millionaires <laughs> feel poor. 31% of millionaires. Yeah. So you said that like right before we got on here. So where'd you read that? I don't want to quote it. I think it was like CNBC. I just saw it okay. on my feed. So I don't want to quote that. You know, it's just like yeah, a, so, a clickbait. So, so like, you don't know that they actually like surveyed a, like a rich district of like New York City. So yeah. of course they feel poor. Feel poor. Exactly. But I think it just speaks to where we're at in the market. I mean, we talk about this all the time with like interest rates. Inflation is obviously affecting that. Yeah. So things are becoming more and more challenging for people to acquire properties. Yeah. And cash flow is tough to come by. If you have money, like wealth, through real estate, like a million dollars, be a millionaire or more, it's locked in there. You don't mm -hmm. feel like you can do anything with it. So yeah, everybody's in a tight spot right now. Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest things that people tend to not realize is that being a millionaire can happen on paper. Doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that you like have a million dollars right. you can just spend on stuff. True. Because like million dollars in cash is nearly a lot of money. I mean, a million dollars on paper these days is not. Right. I mean, just looking around like here in Scottsdale, we were yeah. driving around looking at Zillow. We were driving to the Airbnb and like every single house that we were passing was worth like three or four million dollars. Exactly. Right. It's like every single one of those people obviously is wealthy to be able to afford that. But I guarantee you, there's a whole generation of people probably bought these houses mm -hmm. when they were like you know a couple hundred thousand dollars. And are now multimillionaires just by circumstance. Absolutely. Right. But it's most just, of the people probably don't have multi, you know, seven figure incomes, even multi six figure incomes. Totally. Yeah. It's like, it's just like the STR bros yeah. that bought a house <laughs> in the Smokies. That, that's a nickname, right? <laughs> STR bros. Yeah. The STR bros that bought a house in the Smokies and now they're yeah. a millionaire and then they think that they are big time real estate investors and they're trying to figure shit out, but they can't because it's like, man, like you bought a house and all your wealth is locked up and that doesn't mean you can do anything with it. They never built the skill set to get to the next level. They just kind of luck of timing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It has its own value because it allows you to use leverage, right? It allows you to have some sort of financial security. Right which now? I think is huge. Yeah. I mean, you can still use leverage if you want. You can get a line of credit. It's not too I guess you rigorous. could. I mean, some people can, some people yeah. can't. I mean, like, I think the biggest thing with all that, if you have that equity wealth, but you're not trying to do anything with it, it doesn't really mean anything. Sure. And I guess my point would be is like, they don't have the skill set to do that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get creative because they might not know how to go get a line of credit. Yeah. Like in a real way. Well, they don't right probably now, don't have a need to. They'd be like, my neighbors, my current house before they got separated mm -hmm. their whole thing you know they like i know they went and got a line of credit they went and bought a boat 
to like sure. finish their basement with like all this outrageous stuff and they ended up selling their house what I'm pretty sure was a loss because they yeah. were so hyper leveraged. Well, yeah, because they didn't use the line of credit to get an asset. Yeah. Like you and I use our line of credits to acquire assets mm-hmm. and to continue to invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason they're there, right? Yeah. And you, you set them up as a line of credit as a short-term credit to be able to do something and then back out of it and reuse that money and repurpose it somewhere else. Because yeah. like taking like true equity out of your property right now is just next to impossible. Mm-hmm. It's so hard and you're not going to want to do that anyways at the interest rates because if you're using your cash flow to own that property, you're not going to your cash flow is probably going to go away if you underwrote the deal like three, four, five percent. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. You know? Honestly, the biggest concern I have is people that are doing stuff like that and trying to put it into passive investments. Right. Right now, yeah. because there's such you know we've talked about this. If you guys listened to last week's episode, we really dove into some of the crazy mm-hmm. scams that we've been seeing go on. Oh yeah. Like that was the whole Jeez. Croft and Frost thing, which actually has been really fun to uh, listen to some of the guys here who are from that area mm. and like know of that company. So if you guys didn't hear that. Last week, basically, there was this big accounting company. I was at the syndication company, all the other things. But they were doing taxes for these companies that do like tens of millions of dollars in revenue. And those companies paid the CPA firm their tax amount so they could go and pay the IRS. And they basically just said like, you know what? We're just not going to pay their taxes for them. We're just going to steal all that money. And they stole like hundreds of millions of dollars. Totally. But you're starting to see that on like a smaller scale too. And kind of one of the things that you're seeing everywhere is this really common trend of like these older... I don't want to say older, these smaller real estate investors posting about how you shouldn't buy real estate anymore. You should just invest yeah. in like notes or invest privately because yep. you're going to get better returns with the current interest rates. So they're like, you know, oh, you know, go get a line of credit on your house, go and, you know, refinance to put money in these notes. Get cash out. And then they have a little blip at the bottom and they're saying, oh, I'm also raising money. You can give me a note for 10% right. and I'll pay you that. But those people will just absolutely steal your money. We've, like yeah, if that's their version we know that happening to people. But also, Remember, everybody's incentivized to do something when they're, mm-hmm. when they're giving you those pitches. Look up the fine print in those and see what they're doing. And yeah, sure, investing in a fund or a REIT might be a good choice. Obviously, underwrite the operator. Yeah. If you don't know who the person is that you're like literally going to be investing with, like you can't like do good underwriting, like you're going to like likely get your money stolen. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't say likely. There's a good chance. There's a better chance. You, but, know, you and I have invested with other people. Mm-hmm. We've invested in like loaning money to people and also in syndications, but it's like, we know the operator. We look at the track record. It's not just somebody we met online that was pitching like, hey, everything you're doing is crappy. Why don't you come invest with me instead? And just give me the money. Yeah. Right. But I mean, we, we even had a guy that was in our instant investor program for a while. And he decided that instead of doing the wholesale or like off-market residential thing, he was going to get in a multifamily. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's fine. You know, not mutually aligned or whatever. He left. I reached out to him just, you know, Quincy, I want to check in with him. He's also went to Gonzaga like we did. He's from the Pacific Northwest. As Mali was doing, but not the money that he was planning to use to build his residential company, his residential off market company. He instead invested it in like a multifamily deal. Mm-hmm. And that dude has now, by all intents and purposes, stolen his money. Jeez. Right? Like yeah. he's hasn't gotten any paid returns for it. It's past the deadline. It's supposed to come back. It was supposed to be kind of like a bridge loan. Right. And he's, you know, essentially been scammed from yeah. what it sounds like. So for various reasons, that person would start that scam, right? They either yeah. just started doing it now or they're running a Ponzi scheme and they needed money to pay off previous investors. Well, and I think the, the thing is though, is like not even all these people are necessarily malicious. I think there's a lot of people who understand like the gist of real estate or they probably had some success in 2021 mm-hmm. and they're trying to ride that same momentum, but totally. they don't know how to operate in an environment where there's 9% interest rates. Totally. And like, you know, the exit strategy isn't as clear or like right. the future isn't as clear as it yeah. was to you. They don't have the skill set to continue mm-hmm. to operate. And, the, and like, that's the thing about real estate investing. It's a long-term game. And if you mm-hmm. can't, if you can't stay active, long-term and learn the skill sets to stay active in all the markets, you're not going to be successful. Like it's okay to like not be active. If you just don't have that skill set, you're not willing to take the risk. 
but to be active just to try and do it, but not actually know how to do it, you're going to lose every time. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And I, I just think it's, it's super important to be cautious if you're somebody who has come on to like your current wealth position by happenstance, by having a bunch of properties in the Smokies, right. or by having a house in Scottsdale that suddenly right. quadrupled in value. Right. Or if you have like people in your family that fit that mold, that they just like kind of luck out into that and they're not, yeah. they haven't grown that by having a business or some sort of operation that they protect that. Right. Like if you have a business owner, you know how to make money, you have a little bit of the ability to sort of deal with that and shield yourself from the risks. But a lot of people aren't in that situation. Yeah. So. so that reminds me of like this idea, the conversation of all these people, like the Frost and Cro Croft and Frost or whatever the hell their names were, who cares? There Sounds are, like an 80s band. Right, exactly. Seriously, dude. Like, and they kind of look like they should be an 80s Especially band. Especially that right? one guy. He's super weird. freaking slimy. Yeah. Again, Judge go, go look, cover, go by the way. cover. Okay. when your CPA opens up with his PDF that talks about how he's worth 700 million mm -hmm. and he's going to be worth a billion in the next year, that guy will steal your money. Totally. Yeah. Especially yeah. a guy that's like handling other people's money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, what I wanted to make the point though, is so we're going to see like, we're, we're seeing those things blow up, mm -hmm. right? Those Ponzi schemes, those issues, because the market's going down, people are, people are, they're getting people desperate. Are, they're yeah. getting desperate. But the other thing, when you talked about people saying, Hey, invest in my fund, like don't invest in real estate right now. It sucks, but invest in me and invest in my fund. There's a lot of that going on. And then there's people that are well-known people like you and I know, everybody mm -hmm. knows they, they're on the big shows. They do the big shows that are failing to perform mm -hmm. and they're continuing to sell themselves, sell their funds, sell their syndications and sell the invest with me stuff. Yeah. Which I mean, is more interesting because people are like, I trust you. I, you're associated with a brand or you have a really strong brand and in the past you've done well but you're not doing well right now, but they're not disclosing that, yeah. right? And well, so people are investing with them and taking a risk for potentially no or three to 4% returns. Yeah, or they'll even just do like kind of weird stuff that isn't necessarily aligned in the pitch that they sold to their investors. Sure. So I heard one story, this is from a very prominent, I would say like real estate personality. Sure. It's been in bigger pockets. I don't want to give him my name, but he wrote the book about flipping houses. So wow. you can go and look that up yourself. You dropped that one. Um, I didn't say who it was. There's lots of books about flipping houses. This is true. But he had a deal they raised a bunch of money for. I know people that invested in this, they were underperforming on their pref, so they weren't paying mm -hmm. people out. But they had in their agreement that they could go and choose to make a, basically a donation, like a charitable donation with mm -hmm. the proceeds. It's meant to be like a tax play. Sure. Okay. They missed their pref and instead went and made that donation, mm. right? Whereas all the people that are expecting to get that money back on like a recurring basis, they're yeah. like, whoa, 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 you should pay us back first. Well, no shit. Instead yeah. of making the donation for the tax benefit for yourselves, but they as the operator got to choose. And so they basically told all their investors, well, it sucks. You're not going to get your six, seven percent. So we're going to go donate to whatever this group is so that we can get our tax deduction that we need. That's even worse. Okay. So that, that's, that's kind of fucked up, yeah. right? Like, cause they're, that's worse because they have the decision that they could make and mm -hmm. like they're taking a personal benefit instead. That's like, like taking the pref yourself instead of to your investors. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same it, thing. It really they're is. using a loophole to do it though. Yeah. But, but even worse. Okay. So we'll move on from that one. There's another deal um, with a very, very prominent company. And there's something else is this isn't necessarily shady. This is the biggest guys taking advantage of their position of power. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this group is very, very large. And they basically were a primary investor on this deal that a smaller firm brought to them. Mm -hmm. So the smaller firm brought about $6 million in the deal. They went and partnered with this much larger company and had their agreement documents, whatever. This was like a couple years ago that they went into this thing yeah. together. And fast forward, now the exit strategy on this deal is looking a little bit funny. And the larger company, they had buried in their agreement 
that they at any point could buy back the smaller firm's shares for a price that they deemed to be worthwhile, that they deemed to be fit. And so this was a couple weeks ago, okay? The smaller company got basically a letter that said, hey, so that $6 million investment that you made, we've now deemed that's only worth $10. So we're buying that from you for $10. So here you go. And they basically just- There goes $6 million. $6 million, right? And I don't know what the full story is with that, but probably I would guess that the exit on the property no longer makes sense. But Mm -hmm. everyone that invested with that smaller company with a $6 million fund, their money's gone. The smaller company's brand is completely tarnished because they decided mm-hmm. to partner with the big boys that just took them to, took just, them to the cleaners. Just took them to the cleaners, yeah. There's That's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing they can do about it. And then mm-hmm. you could you could try to use lawsuits and all that, but as a smaller company and a smaller investor, what's the chances of you going against a billion-dollar fund? You're not going to, You're not going ever. To. Exactly. It's literally impossible. Yeah. That's, yeah. Contracts are written. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah, so there's just weird stuff. I don't know. I think it's why it's so important to like honestly be like all these guys here mm-hmm. and be trying to figure out how to be in control of your own destiny. Right. Well, and surrounding yourself with other people, like, so, okay, actually, let me start here. So there are other groups and masterminds mm-hmm. that you and I know about that we choose not to be part of because the way that they pitch things, it's just un- like unethical. Or it's like, it was like get rich quick scheme, whatever. It's get rich quick scheme stuff. And it's not the right way to do. And that stuff never lasts. Mm-hmm. And when you're with those types of people, you're going to last as long as that guru lasts, right? Yeah. And so with, with the folks, when you find a group, like I feel like our group is, of high value, high ethical people that want to do things the right way mm-hmm. and want to be in the game long-term, you're going to win like so much more because you have this support system around you. Yeah, That's the thing, because if you're in a get-rich-quick scheme, they don't give a shit about you. No, like when you're in those yeah. masterminds that are like that, they don't care about you. They're there for themselves. Mm-hmm. These yeah. people are like, and if, even if you show up here selfishly, like we all do to a group, like, hey, I want to be better, you quickly realize like, oh, the dynamic here is like, I give, the more I give, the more I get. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. I think people overlook that when they're choosing what group to be part of. Yeah, well, I think that exists because it's kind of like a natural thing. You know, most people, if they're not sociopaths, if you do give them something, they feel obligated to give something. Back. Right, there are some right. sociopaths. There, there are, yeah. yeah, they exist everywhere. Yeah. You can't escape that. But. What do the names rhyme with that we would know? <laughs> I don't know. It's You're dropping big people out here. I didn't say anyone's that. name. I guess you didn't, sorry. <laughs> So, right. but no, no, it's, it's just interesting to see as a whole, but what's our business as a whole doing right now though? Like, like our personal business. It's been a really interesting week for us because we're here at this event and this is the first time that we've been away and also our two main like operators are away as well. So like the Same sales time. team and everyone is kind of fully autonomous right now. Yeah. And it's always, a good, it's always a good test on the system. So I'm going to be really interested when we get back to go and see like what their call numbers and stuff look like. Like the KPIs. Yeah, I, I would bet they dropped a little bit, yeah. but at the same time, they're still doing their reports and things. Yeah. So We're still getting things moving. We just had one of our clients here talk about a deal that they're going to go, they're underwriting right now, I think, as yeah. we speak, because they're going to hopefully lock something up. Yeah, one of our partners, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think things are going to move because we built that system, but they've never seen, we're still at that point, even though with our big team, like things still maybe slow down a little bit, yeah. right? And you can let the train go for a little bit longer than it used to. Remember, mm-hmm. I mean, like there used to be like if we were both gone, like there was nothing that happened. I know, right? problem. And that's a failure on our part, but also just the maturity of your business, right? Yeah. You can't start a business and then all of a sudden be at the point to where you can delegate everything and it works well. Yeah. At least our train runs for a little bit longer now. Yeah, right. I mean, and there is a level of when you start to reach some scale where you can bring in people that are more A players that right. it looks like a more mature business. Sure. Because that's something that we really struggle with. I think a lot of new operators struggle with is when you first start bringing in staff members, they kind of like work for you. Right. right. And like, I remember even uh, our first, very first employee, she would literally tell us, like, oh, I work for these two guys. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, no, yeah. you technically work for a company, yeah. but like, yeah. it felt like yeah. you worked for these two guys, especially really because we, we yeah. outnumbered yeah. her. Right. Yeah. 
But when you start to have a, grow, a large enough yeah. team, then yeah. there's much more like a natural company dynamic. For sure. So yeah. people feel more inclined to do their job. Right. So there's not yeah. like a gig where they just work for something like Well, that. yeah, and then they have responsibility to each other at some yeah. point, right? You know, the, when you have like, I guess, peers in your company that also rely on you for success, then you feel mm-hmm. that obligated. So if the boss isn't there, then it's like, okay, maybe I want to do it for you. Like you're saying, there's an, there's like a give take in a, a normal human that's not a sociopath. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So like, at least you hope so. At least you hope so. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, know. Yeah. but also like as a business owner, you set the culture and we were talking about that earlier today here with, the, with these guys, like you have the responsibility as the owner to set that culture. You have a culture regardless and you are responsible for like, if you let it just get created into this like really crappy, painful place to work, that's what it's going to be. Exactly. If, if you want it to be a certain way, which I think most people, I know everybody here is like this, but most people that start their own business and like have employees, like they want to do it because they're either running from something or they, they want to create their own thing and they don't subscribe to whatever culture is at company X, Y, or Z. You know what yeah. I mean? And so they are building something and then they forget though that they are building a culture. They're, yeah. they're just like building it and they're like, oh, oh, I'm hiring people, I'm doing this. And the next thing you know, you're like, man, this sucks working at my own company. Yeah, right. Well, that, that was actually big folks that the one thing today is like, think about all the reasons that you probably do want to leave your W-2 or you wanted to leave your W-2 mm-hmm. before you did. And don't create that same environment for other people. Right. Like you don't yeah, have exactly. to. Like honestly, a lot yeah. of that happens just because, you know, I would say like lack of intent by the employer yeah. and employers that yeah. aren't necessarily It's lack of intention, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does a culture doesn't build itself. Uh-huh. Well, I guess it kind of does. A bad culture builds yeah. itself. Yeah. But like without intention, you can't build the culture you want. Yeah. That's you know? very true. Yeah. And then when it comes to like larger companies though that have been around for like like legacy companies, mm-hmm. that sort of like dies when the original founder leaves. Right. But the original mm-hmm. intent of that. It, yeah. Exactly. But everyone starting a smaller business, you can drag that out for probably the length of time that you want to run the business. Totally. Honestly. Yeah. So yeah. it's one of those things that like it varies so much like what it needs to look like for everybody, you know, right. and like not everyone, like if you are going to be like a really small shop, you need to understand that if you are going to go to things like this or go other places, things will slow down a lot more. But I, I also think that like that phase of business where it's like you and like, you know, one to five employees mm-hmm. is probably the hardest phase because you have no redundancy. You have no backup yeah, plan, it's tough. Yeah, but it's also have, inevitable. I shouldn't say you don't, but so many times you don't have the revenue to build in the redundancy, yeah. to build in the business continuity, to build in the safety mechanisms because every person is a key employee on in your business at that point. Yeah. But that reminds me too of like, as you build your business, you tend to have a key employee, mm-hmm. right? Or you want to have a key employee. You need a key employee. And for some people, that's like an executive assistant for that. Or one of our key employees is here. Yeah. So, you know, he's participating as well. And so, like, I think without that, at, at some point in time, like, you just get kind of, like, put in the grinder as the owner because you become the only key employee and people rely only on you. And so as you build your business, think about, like, what am I, when I'm hiring a person, what am I doing for them to create their, like, own path to be, mm-hmm. like, key in their role? Yeah, because you know, otherwise, you know it. Like, if you become the important, most important person in every role, guess what? Even if you have employees in you're, that role, you're always gonna you're be always going to be the one that they ask questions to, and yeah. they're going to be the one that does most of the process. But then you have to finish it. Yeah, and that same so. thing can go whether you're trying to wholesale, you're trying to flip, you have rental properties, whatever you're trying to do. I mean, you had a good test because we finished up a reno actually mm-hmm. today. Like yeah. this morning on one of yeah. our properties that we bought. Yeah, photographer was there at noon today. Yeah, and you yeah. said that our contractor asked if you wanted to walk it. And it's funny, you told me that, and I could see in your eyes <laughs> that it really yeah. bothered you that weren't, yeah. you weren't going to be I was like, I need to, to walk this thing. Yeah, yeah. like, so why? So you can, like, make sure they did the right yeah. shade of alabaster white. Exactly, paint. right? Like, yeah. and we know our systems on that so well at this point. Like, I walked the property with him. I told him exactly what to do. 
I trust him. I know the work he's doing. And so I know if I said, hey, here's the carpet I asked you to put, that the carpet went down. Mm -hmm. I know that I picked the paint, the paint went on the walls. I know all the steps and I trust it. I have to trust it, right? And so we'll find out when we get the photos tonight from yeah. the photographer. Well, at least you're hoping. I mean, it's yeah. good contracts, so you're fine. But I've heard the horror stories of like where the contractor put like a little sliver of carpet like in the corner. Right. And then they like, they, they take oh, the yeah. picture like this. So oh, yeah. it looks like it's done. No, there's that. And I, yeah. so I don't think this should be a, a common practice, but we have in our system, even with the previous contractor we had, like we had him dialed in so well that there was a trust between mm -hmm. us that I would still walk it because I'm building a relationship with him and he wants to see his work being completed, like getting recognized by me as the owner. But like, I didn't need to. Like when you're in a pinch like this, I don't need to. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Why, why do I need to if I already have built that trust with you and we have like basically proven that trust over a period of time? Will that bite you in the ass eventually? Maybe. Probably. I wouldn't do it with a new contractor. That's where you hear the horror stories where people are like, oh, well, I heard Mike and Dan talking on the Collecting Keys podcast that he didn't walk that one property after it finished. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, but this is like, hundreds of yeah. properties that we've done. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we still do it. We just make sure the, just like any other system, like trust, but verify. Yeah. You know? It's a hard thing. I think that in the real estate world, especially that part is probably one of the hardest. It is I absolutely mean, the hardest. I mean, e even for me, I have a couple of rentals that are within driving distance of my house and I'll be lying if I'm not tempted every so often to go and like drive by and see just like what's going on. check it out. Yeah. Even though I'm not yeah. going to see anything yeah. like, you know, there's people that live there are good. I verify the tenants, right. they're paying yeah. rent. Like I know it's fine. Yeah. But the problem is too, is if I do do that, the only thing I'm at risk of is being pissed off. Sure. Cause I'm yeah. like, why is the grass? Yeah, exactly. Shit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is too, is like having right, the right property manager. If you're going to property manage, if you're going to self-manage, having the right systems in place where you don't feel like you even need to do that. You know what I mean? And I mean, I, I do the same thing with my student rentals cause I still manage those. And I have to be careful because I'm like, ugh. I have like eight college girls living in one house. Mm -hmm. I know when I walk into it, I might not be happy with how they're maintaining the property yeah. at that moment. Because there's yeah. a lot of dirty laundry on the floor. Like college girls, I don't know what it is, where they get all these clothes. They don't do laundry. They're, it's always in piles. Yeah. Like, maybe like a clean pile, a dirty pile, and a kind of dirty pile. I have no idea why. Like it's weird. Their beds are never made. You go in there, you're like, all uh, right, I'm going to leave now. I don't want to see something that I shouldn't see. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, it's just like so gross. But I know like if I go in there, Generally speaking, I'm probably going to be unhappy how they keep it, so I just try not to. Yeah. Was that you that had to pull the tampons out of the toilet, or was that somebody else that told that story? Uh, I feel like you had to do that. No, so we had to flush them out of the toilet. Oh, okay. Like, we had to put the freaking... Yeah. No, I don't think... Um, I've had, a, I've had like, there. lots of bad stuff come out of drains, but I don't know about tampons, yeah. Yeah, I forget. I think it was one of our, one of our guests. They told a story about how they had to pull out a bunch of tampons and then they felt super awkward about it because it was like a bunch of college oh. girls. So they just left like the Home Depot bucket that was full of like a ton of them. They pulled out of the pipe like in the bathroom. Oh, so I have they signs. saw it and then it was no, never I, a problem yeah, again. Yeah, no, I have signs. <laughs> I've been, like when I first yeah. started landlording, I was in one of my properties where I had girls and I was in the basement doing work and I was, on, I was here overhearing their conversation <laughs> and I was like, bro, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like, this is not, I don't want to hear what they're doing with other people in my house. Let's get you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, funny. oh my God. <laughs> So that's I funny. left. Yeah, it's probably a good call. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a people business. You always yeah. get involved in people's stuff, whether it's acquisitions, tenants, things like that. You yeah. just can't let it bother you. But cool. So but anyway, yeah, so KeysCon today. So let's just loop back to that real quick. We did focused on them, focus on the team this afternoon. So our theme for day one was people. We're going to try and like get this to be a thing that's consistent every KeysCon that we do. Yeah. So day one was focused on people. So we said the operator, the investors that are here was the morning. And then the afternoon was about the team and then tomorrow focusing on skills. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna be diving into sales skills in the morning, managing a sales team, which is mm -hmm. a skill, yep. and then focusing on opportunity recognition yep. in the afternoon, which will be diving into like subject mm -hmm. twos, innovations, and a bunch of Yeah, and it's stuff. important like we touch on why we're touching on that too, because like obviously 
especially you as the operator, you're one of the most important, you're a key employee in your business. And so you need to know that you can do the right things and you're the right person for the role Mm -hmm. and talking about your team and how to hire and build them. But then the skills, what we've recognized in this business is you're running a sales organization. So you need to understand how to build a sales team, how the sales skills, you might not be the best salesperson, but you need to understand that's a very big focus in this business. Mm -hmm. And then the skill of recognizing opportunities through your sales process. Like those are the two main skills we're really pitching to people, which I think is overlooked at a lot of events because people come, they're like, well, I want to know how to market better. It's like, we can teach you that on a, on a video, like a loom video. Like that's not what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other skills like learning how to flip houses and rehab, like go to a rehab flipping boot camp or watch YouTube. It's all the same. Yeah. This nuanced and the most difficult, challenging approach that nobody else wants to talk about is what we're talking about tomorrow and what we talked about today. Yeah, and the sales part, honestly, is the most important part mm-hmm. of any business, especially yep. this business, because so few people are willing to do it. Absolutely. And as a real estate yep. investor, if you can control the pipeline, whether it's for yourself or for other people as a wholesaler, you're instantly the coolest person in the yep. room. Totally. Right, and you can make a hell of a lot of money because yep. you control the number one thing that everyone wants, which is opportunity. Totally. Yep. Right, so I'm super excited for it. It's gonna be really fun too, because a lot of these guys don't know. You might hear me, there's a couple in the background that uh, a lot of them are going to be making sales calls sales with roulette, each other baby. tomorrow. We're doing a new game called Sales Roulette yeah. that I invented a few days ago, <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. Be I'm fun. super, super excited because some of these guys have been adamant to remove themselves from sales, but I still believe if you're going to manage a sales yeah. staff, you need to be able to make sales calls yourself at mm-hmm. least a little bit. So for sure, it'd be cool. But anyways, anything else? No, man. No? Cool. Get out of here. Right on, guys. Well, thanks so much for watching this episode. We really appreciate you all. And if you want to come to KeysCon next year, you should go to collectingkeys.com and check out our Instant Investor Program. Sign up for that, and you can qualify to come to the event that we'll be doing next summer. Besides that, guys, please share this with anyone who might find this interesting, might be entertained by real estate, talking about business, or just listening to two guys talk about whatever else we feel like. And uh, appreciate it. So thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. See y'all.